Well, hello there, and welcome back to Causey's Conversations. I'm your host, Jared Causey. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, it is the month of June, and as many of you know, um, it is Pride Month. Um, so to, today in this episode, as you can see in the de- description and the title there, I'm going to be talking about why I personally do not um, celebrate Pride Month and why I find it... Um, uh, problematic in our culture and um, if it's celebrating the church um, in the church as well. So um, I'm going to talk about several of these uh, categories. Um, I know there's the list of LGBTQ++. The acronyms go on and on. They're continuing to be included uh, more and more. And so I'm not going to go through obviously every acronym um, I'm going to kind of talk about lesbian and homosexual activity and queer activity in one kind of uh, topic. I'm going to include that in one conversation, and then I'll go on to the transgender conversation too. But from the out- outset, I want to say that I um, do not celebrate Pride Month, um, and the reason is pretty straightforward. I believe it is a sin um, to be a homosexual or a lesbian. Uh, What do I mean by that? I mean specifically it is sinful to engage in these activities of uh, these sexual activities that involve a person of the same sex. And I also believe it's a sin to uh, attempt to change your gender identity. Um, And I'll go into why I believe that here shortly. Now, some of you as Christians might understand that, you know, you understand these things, you agree with these things. Maybe you're just trying to understand how to have these conversations with others. Um, so I want to try to 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 help those that are that are needing some help in those areas, and uh, try to maybe encourage people to to have these conversations when God opens those doors. But I want to also say that for those of you that are tuning in that either disagree with me or you identify in these categories. Um, I just want to say that I love you and I appreciate you tuning in. I really do. Um, this is in no way, the goal of this is not to condemn you or to quote unquote judge you in any way necessarily. Um, the Bible says um, that that we are not to judge others lest we be judged. Uh, however, Jesus goes on to say that the, the standard by which we judge others, we will be judged ourselves. So it's essentially saying that, that I'm not to judge hypocritically, and I am not going to do that. These standards that I'm going to be talking about apply to, to myself just as much as it applies to you and every other person on the face of this planet. And so I want to start off with that, and I want to invite you to um, engage in conversation with me if you, you would like to. If you find this helpful or you have questions, please contact me. Um, if you're angry, I understand um, this conversation can really strike at the heart of a lot of people's emotions. And I understand that, like, you know, homosexuality is a, you know, being a lesbian, is it's a part of your identity. Um, you believe that. And I know when someone challenges that, it's, it's, you're, you feel like that People are challenging your very existence. And I want to say that's not what I'm doing. I'm simply saying that I believe Scripture is clear. God is clear in His Word that people that He loves, that He's created, are not to engage in these activities. 
Okay, now for those of you that say, okay, I don't engage in these activities, but I, I do find myself attracted to a person of the same sex, I want to say that, you know, I am very grateful for you to, that you are, you're fighting those urges by not giving into them and allowing them to manifest in your life. I would ask and encourage you to continue to pray for God to take away those desires, just like I pray that God would would take away my uh, lust, the, my urges to have sex with someone that is not my wife. You know, every day I have to ask that because, you know, to be honest, that's something me and, and many guys struggle with, and we have to battle against that every single day, or many of us do anyway. Um, that's another subject obviously entirely but that's kind of along the same lines you know it's you might say well i have these desires so i should just be able to do these things and i would say scripture is clear that just because you have a desire to do something just because you have a natural maybe a quote-unquote natural urge like you're born with that that urge that desire to have sex with someone or or be in love with someone romantically of the same sex that that gives you the right to do it. And I would say that's not the case. God is clear in his word. We are not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That includes homosexuality. That includes heterosexual adultery. I'd say adultery. So I'm going to, um, I would like to go through some of these different passages that talk about this. The first one that people point to, and probably the one that has the most, um, I guess pushback. Even amongst some Christians, some Christians will say this passage we shouldn't use in these conversations, and I'm going to talk about why I disagree. But it's Leviticus chapter 18 and chapter 20. Both of these say that basically homosexuality is, is a sin. It says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They, sh- they shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Excuse me. So both of these passages, uh, chapter Leviticus 18 and 20, both state that homosexuality should not be something that a person involves themselves with. They should not have sex with someone of the same gender or sex. So the typical response is, well, doesn't the Lord, doesn't God also or Moses or whoever you say the author is of of Leviticus I obviously believe it's is Moses but people debate about that um and that's a different discussion but the the number one response is well these codes also talk about not eating shellfish so what's the difference the difference is these passages include other things like incest uh, bestiality, rape, not murdering your children. I mean, these are all things that all of us would agree with. I mean, no one should have sex with someone uh, that they're related to. Um, they shouldn't have sexual, uh, commit sexual acts with animals. Those are, you know, rape. Those are all understandable, and and um, we all agree with with each other. I mean, even non Christians would agree. Yes, that's wrong. That's despicable. And I would say, yes, so just because shellfish is included in these passages doesn't negate any of these other passages, these other verses here. I mean, if you think about it, 
these passages are grouped together for a reason. They're moral. They're a moral code. The shellfish, shellfish, sorry, shellfish passage is is around here, but it's not linked to these other these other acts here. Um, they're they're it's kind of in a separate part of these of this code. So I would I would argue that the reason why they're all grouped together is because these are commands from God, not just for God's people, the Israelites during this time, but this is something for all of humanity. We none of us are to have sex with animals. None of us are to rape uh, another person. None of us are to commit homosexual acts. They're all the same. Now, you might say I don't buy that argument, Jared. I think you're you know, that's a bad hermeneutical or logical argument. Um, okay, that's that's fine if you want to if you want to say that. Um, but I would say that at the very least, you have to agree that okay, if if the, the Old Testament was super clear about it, and the New Tis- Testament was not, then there could be some um, legitimacy to your argument. But because the New Testament echoes what the Old Testament says, I think that's even more clear that what God said here in the Old Testament still applies to this day as all of these other things. I mean, we're going to look here in just a second about what Jesus says about this. And you're going to say, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Actually, he did. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But let's um, let's go over to Romans chapter one. Um, this is where Paul talks about it. Um, I think it's a fairly clear-cut verse. Let me find it real quick. Let's see, verses eighteen through twenty. Romans one eighteen through twenty. Um, let's see. I had it up here just a second. Um, let me see. So, okay, here we go. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their own righteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Okay, here in Romans chapter 1, we see that that God has created the heavens and the earth, and that he has made his, um, made his glory and his presence known. Um, and then in verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, and animals, and creeping things. So we see idolatry is involved um, in this. And then in verses 24 through 25, it says, Therefore God gave... So this is the response to the idolatry that is that is among the people. That This is what God is doing in response. Therefore God gave them up in their lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And then 
in verses 26 through 27, for the reason, this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in, the, in themselves the due penalty for their error. So that is Romans chapter 1 verses eight, uh, 18 through 27. So Paul is very clear there that that's, that's the case. Now, now people will say, I know, well, still, the Bible has all these other commandments, like shellfish or whatever. What gives you the right to say we can follow these commandments here, or we should follow these commandments here, but not these other ones? My response is this. It is about your biblical hermeneutics. If you assume that the Old and New Testament are essentially... Um, that, that, that we are to follow all the commandments equally, then your hermeneutic might be a little off. Because obviously we don't, we all agree we don't uh, follow the commandments about shellfish or other um, ceremonial laws. Well, the reason why is because Christ came in our place, died for sinners, and he uh, took upon the wrath of God, and now he is our righteousness when we put our faith in him. So therefore, we don't need these ceremonial laws, uh, we don't need to follow them to for our forgiveness of sin. That's that's not relevant for us. The dietary laws. Paul says that what has been unclean is now clean. In talking about eating uh, f- these types of food, um, eating food that was sacrificed to idols, all these things, Paul says clear. Uh, all of it's fine. We can eat these food, these foods, um, but they he ne- they never say anything um, that contradicts the Old Testament in terms of homosexuality. Now, notice he's not contradicting the Old Testament when it comes to dietary laws and ceremonial laws. They're just being fulfilled in Christ. And so, as far as homosexuality goes, we see that Paul echoes what the Old Testament says. And Jesus does the same thing, too. Let me get to that real quick. Um, Matthew chapter um, 15, um, 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. So, and he goes on to talk about theft, false witness, and slander. So when Jesus talks about sexual immorality, that is a host of things. What is it? What is he referring to? Well, who is he talking to? He's talking to Jews here. So he echoes what the Old Testament says about sexual immorality. So all the sexual immorality codes that we find in the Old Testament, Jesus says to to uh, disobey those commands from God is to sin. That that. You are to still obey God's moral law in these specific ways. Okay, so he doesn't obviously say like, okay, well, I know the Old Testament says this, but now I tell you this today, and this is how things change. He's not saying that here. He's just simply saying that all these things are a sin. Don't do it. Don't uh, don't murder people. You know. You know, don't, and that extends to the heart. Don't hate one another. Don't commit adultery. Don't have lust for one another, uh, for someone that's not your your spouse. D- don't commit theft. Don't bear false witness. Don't slander one another, and don't commit acts of sexual immorality. 
Paul is clear. Jesus is clear too. And I know for us, we might forget this, but 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 he's talking to Jews. So they're going to understand what he's talking about. When he says sexual immorality, oh yeah, he's talking about homosexuality. He's talking about bestiality. He's talking about rape. He's talking about all these things. It's an umbrella term. The Greek word for sexual morality there is porneia. Umbrella term that that the Jews would understand, the audience. That's, that's who's listening. Now today... When we're reading this, it might seem less clear, but I think it's fairly obvious that that Jesus is referring to homosexual. It's including homosexuality here, along with a host of other sins. So, but going back to Romans, um, I mean, people will, will argue about the Greek word of, say, for example, in other places in the New Testament, like in Romans or First Corinthians, when it says homosexuality, it's talking about something else. But it's pretty clear Paul is talking about homosexuality when he says like he explains and details the act it says for this reason gave up uh, god gave them up to dishonorable passions what are those dishonorable passions for their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women okay so he's saying he's detailing exactly what God is giving these people up that are committing idolatry too. He's giving them over to these unnatural sexual relations. Now, I know the response is always going to be, what about animals, all that. So are you saying that because animals do these things, it's in our nature to also do these things? That doesn't compute. The the thing is, is I mean, also if you think about this, sin affects all things. It's uh, it affects all of creation, including animals. So that might just be an effect of of sin. We don't know that for sure, but we do know that we're not called to just do what animals do, or we're not called to to just say, okay, whatever the animals do, that's natural. No, he's talking about specifically what is natural to man. Mankind, this is what's natural for mankind. For a man and a woman who uh, God calls together and they marry and they continue in their relationship. You know the, you know the story there. But clearly, the, all of mankind, we are all to, we are to follow God's commandments, what he says in his word, and not to go off and do what animals do or what nature's quote-unquote nature says to do so when when he says the word nature here he's not talking about what animals do or whatever he's talking about what is natural for man and that's that's to me the the most understandable argument there is is that we have to understand that paul is not thinking in these terms like we are in 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 terms of um nature and and following what animals are doing and doing with i mean so there's a lot that could be said there but i I wanted to to cover that that's a typical it's pretty typical uh response so romans uh talks about that um there's many other uh passages um, that talk about homosexuality. First Corinthians and First Timothy both do. Um, there are some debates on what um, what is uh, meant here. When um, I hope I say this right, but um, the Greek word for malakoi and arsenokoitai, koitai, almost had it, but 
<laughs> missed the ending there, but uh, Mal- uh, Malakoy and Ars- um, Arsenokoite, um, there, there are different ways to saying it, but that's that's the best way I can say it. Um, pretty much every modern translation agrees that it that these passages are referring to homosexuality. Um, it's it's pretty clear. Um, and some people say, well, that's because straight people are um, have taken over and have the power, and therefore translate the Bible the way they want to. But I would say that's a pretty um, that's a pretty uncharitable um, assumption. Um, you could do better than that, I think, in in understanding uh, what's going on here. Um, you know, biblical scholarship isn't isn't perfect, but I would say Greek scholars know what they're talking about. I'm not a Greek scholar. I've taken several Greek classes, and I'll say that um, these conversations about what uh, is being said really, like what word. Uh, is being referred to here. Um, I think that there, there are um, that there's more to this conversation. Just saying, oh, the Bible didn't have the word homosexuality until da da da. You know, whatever date it is. Um, I mean, you're right. That's technically true. But the word homosexual was invented in the ninety in uh, the 1900s, I believe. I believe it was 1900s. Um, if now don't quote me on that, I, that might be cor- incorrect, but I, I'm pretty sure it was the 1900s. But the thing is, is just because that word didn't, ex- it, you know, that just because that word didn't exist and the Bible didn't explicitly say homosexual, that doesn't mean the same concept didn't exist before that because it did. I mean, before that, you had the word sodomite. I mean, the word sodomite was used in translations, um, and before that, other in other languages, uh, in Latin, German, all that they had different words for. The word homosexuality, and I mean, even so, look back at Romans. I mean, there's not one; it's not one word there that's de- debated. It's it's the fact that I mean, the, the number one, the word natural is there, so people just kind of say, "Well, it's, it's a Paul's wrong here. He's off his um, he's off his rocker there." But I would say that the, that Paul explicitly describes the action, so I mean, that's even more clear than these other passages. But I'm not going to get into the whole. Um, discussion about what's the correct translation. Um, I guess I could, but I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm not as um, studied up on the, the arguments right now. Um, but I think it's it's important to understand that m- the vast, vast majority of Greek scholars um, agree that the words uh, are correct in our English um, translation when it comes to homosexuality. So I don't think there's much of a debate there. Um, people try to, de- to be- debate that. But I would say uh, those are just because they don't want the you know Bible to say what it says. I think that's kind of what the the, the motives are because the arguments are so weak. Um, so if you're interested, um, I would definitely uh, recommend looking up uh, some of those arguments. But um, uh, make sure you read Greek scholars and not just you know someone who thinks they know Greek. Uh, read someone that actually uh, is is worth their salt in this. Um, in this department, so, so yeah, the the Bible is is fairly clear about um, is about about homosexuality. It's a sin, um, and notice that it's it's talking about engaging in in homosexual acts. Now, I understand people are going to talk about sex, same sex attraction. Um, is that a sin? I would say something ha- for something to be a sin, it has to be something that. Um, that comes out of your heart and is 
something that that you do. It's an action. Uh, obviously, it's it starts in the heart. So I would say same-sex attraction is a uh, a disordered desire, a sinful desire that God detests, just like any other sinful desire, any desire that uh, basically uh, begins the process of um, causing someone to. And that's kind of a weird way of putting it, but essentially, when we have the desire to murder, we sin long before we actually murder. I mean, we're when we have hate in our heart, we are committing murder by the standards of Jesus. So, I believe that someone that has same sex, they, they're they're just attracted to someone of the same sex. I would say that person is their their desires themselves are disordered and sinful that they need to be sanctified from, and not to any time those desires come upon them where they 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 feel those desires or whatever. I, w- I would say anytime that, that temptation um, comes comes on on them, um, just put those away. Um, go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the scriptures. Um, go before your God and ask Him to continue to cleanse you. Now, people were like, "Well, I I can I've had these desires from day one, and I'm continuing to have them today, and God's not taking away these desires." And the thing is, is you have to understand. We will continue to have sinful desires until the day we die. We're going to always have these, to some degree, um, a set of sinful desires. It might not be homosexuality. I pray that the Lord takes that away from you. But but all of us have these these sinful desires, and we'll continue to until one you know until we die, until we see Jesus again, and we have our glorified bodies. So. When someone says, is someone with the same sex attraction, are they a Christian? I would say, I mean, it obviously depends on the person, but if they're actively fighting that desire and they're putting that to death, absolutely. I would say they're, they're I don't know their heart, but I would say there's evidence that they're a believer, that there's fruit there. And I would say they're growing, they're being sanctified. Um, I know not everyone is, um, is able to... Um, I guess defeat these desires at the same time frame. There are people that struggle with these things more and more. Um, some people are like, I've just I've given up. You know, I'm going to, you know, essentially live in my sin. I'm I'm tired of fighting. I would say that's a sign um, that you're never really a believer in the first place, because um, all of us have sinful desires and we are commanded to fight those every day and, and to pray for God. To replace those sinful desires with desires that are that uplift Him and that are that are uh, glorifying to Him. So, our culture today has used these conversations to essentially, or what they've done to these conversations, I should say, is they have taken them and twisted them to 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 make this about a question of identity. And I I want to say this, for those of you that say you're a homosexual or a lesbian or and, and includes transgender, you are not identified by those things. That is not your identity, especially if you're a Christian. Your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, maybe you could say I, I'm a I struggle with these feelings and attractions, but you know, I'm I'm in Christ. He is who my identity is. 
And I would say amen to that. But those that that make their identity found upon these sexual aspects, I would say you're conflating um, categories that don't need to be conflated. You're not your identity is not found in um, who you're attracted to or who you have sex with. Um, I would even say call myself a heterosexual is kind of odd. Like I don't feel the need to call myself that. When you call yourself heterosexual, you kind of you're assuming that there is a legitimate case for being a homosexual. And I will say no. There's there's only one natural God glorifying um, relational um, position, and that is being someone that um, is um, finding their their identity in Christ, but they don't want to be alone. Obviously. They want to fulfill God's creation mandate, and they love someone um, both unconditionally and romantically, all of those things, and they uh, pursue that marital relationship. That's the only, I mean, I don't even want to call it identity. That's just the, the only pathway uh, for someone that loves God. That's the only, only pathway that he gave us to... To commit now, other people have gone their own way. They've they've fled this path of, you know, you just people call it heterosexuality, whatever. Um, they fled that path, that that God uh, given path, and they've went their own way. And as a result, they're like what Paul refers to here. They've been given over to their sinful desires. God has given them over to those desires and that's and that's where they're at. Again, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm simply stating what God says in his word. Now, all of these conversations are based on that presupposition that this is God's word. This is holy scripture. If you reject that, you know, my question would be, well, what is God's word? What is not? Well, some of this is, some of this is not. How do you know? How do you differentiate between what is God's word and what's not? Well, the ones that I I choose. Well, then you yourself are now God. Congratulations. You're now identified as God. Our, my standards cannot be conformed to what man says is God's word. God's word is what it is. It exists outside of whether man chooses to acknowledge that or not. So I must follow God's word out his his holy word and do what he says and the the goal here is not to make anyone offended or uh, make them feel bad this the goal is just to hopefully god will use this to open your eyes that yeah god says in his word to to abstain from from these things to to follow his commandments but i'm unholy i'm sinful yeah you're right but the only answer to your sinful state is a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. We need Jesus as our Savior and Lord to become our righteousness. And therefore, we are then able to do good works. We are able to please him in our holiness that comes from Christ himself. Our holiness isn't from us. Our righteousness is not from us. It's all from Christ himself. So you need Christ first. You have to have that relationship with him. You have to believe, have saving faith. 
And hopefully through this, whether you're a homosexual or you're not, and you're just listening, hopefully, no matter who you are, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, then please do so. See that you're a sinner in need of God and His saving work and grace through His Son, Jesus. So that's my encouragement to you. Um, that's, But that's just part of the conversation um, uh, regarding homosexuality. I mean, that's... The only one of the only parts of this uh, converse, conversation, LGBTQ conversation, you know, you have um, gay, lesbian, uh, bisexual, queer, whatever. And you also have transgender. Now, this is another conversation. It's a separate category almost, but it it's related in some weird way. But I say it's pretty clear if you look in in Genesis, and I've you know I haven't heard anyone you know say give a really any argument i haven't heard any arguments against the passage but in genesis chapter um i believe it's genesis chapter two god um in his word he clearly says that he created man and woman as male and female he gave them their quote-unquote gender or sex he he made them male and female they didn't choose that God chose that for them. He gave them their identity. That is their only identity. And now people will say, well, a transgender person, they're they're in their body's wrong. They they have a different they're they're inside their feelings. They they have a, a you know, they were born biologically a male, but they have a female soul. There's no absolutely no biblical category for that number one there's when god makes someone he makes them and they're good essentially in terms of their creation uh, uh, their creative being he now obviously there are abnormalities there are people that have physical dysfunctions there are people that are born um in these different ways that's a result of sin but the standard of God's creation, he has made all of us either male or female. And when we say no, that's not true. God's made a mistake. When we, when we say, I'm actually a female, even though I was born male, biologically. Gender and sex are two different things. That's a new invention. I don't know where that came from. Like, it's been always known that sex and gender are the same thing, but now they're not. Now, I agree there are gender roles that are kind of separate in a sense. Like, there, there are certain rules, roles put on by society for men and women. I think some of them are good. Some of them are not helpful. We can have that conversation, but, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about gender roles. I'm talking about... The gender that you are, that you don't identify in a gender necessarily. You're, you just are who you are. You're either male or female. God has made you that way. And it's interesting. This is a different argument now in, in these conversations. The the gay, bisexual, you know, homosexual, whatever, will say, Hey, I was born this way. I, they're basically arguing... Uh, from the standard of nature, I was born this way. Nature says I'm this way, so this is who I'm going to be. Well, a transgender person will say, I was born male, 
biologically male, but I'm actually female. They can now change somehow. They're, or they're, they're, there's something different between their interior and, and who they are on the inside versus what their body says they are, what nature says. And I would say that is an interesting change of standard there. Now we go from arguing from nature to I'm going to argue based on just how I feel. And I think the best argument against transgenderism is simply um, you aren't who you are based on how you feel. You You are who you are based on who God says you are. God says who you are, and that's who you are. End of story. If you say that's not true, then, number one, I mean, obviously you have a completely different worldview than myself and biblical Christianity. And, I mean, okay, you're not a Christian. Okay, we need to have gospel conversations now. We don't need to be talking about necessarily just this. But for those of you that are Christians and you either claim to be transgender or you are not necessarily transgender or whatever, you just, you're fine with transgenderism, you think it's okay, I would say you need to confront this worldview that you're assuming and you're believing and compare it to Scripture. And if you disagree with what the Bible says, on what basis can you believe in any of this? And that's, I don't understand how else we can, we can have a conversation in these terms. At some point, you just have to say, is my worldview lining up with scripture or am I allowing my worldview to line up with the culture, with the world, with what the world says I should believe? And I would say no matter what the culture says, no matter what the world says, we turn our attention to what God says in his word and we follow that. And if that's unloving, I'm sorry. I Okay, that's fine. Uh, my job is not to please man. My job is to please God. I'm not to fear man. And I know people some maybe be offended by that, but the thing is, is it's not unloving objectively. It's not unloving for me to say God's word says that homosexuality is a sin, unless you assume that I'm attacking a person's identity, which I've already said that's not what I'm doing here. I'm not attacking someone's identity. I'm stating that their attraction, who they're attracted to, and who they're choosing to engage in sex with is fundamentally sinful. That's not an an attack on their identity. Attacking someone's identity is saying, oh, that person doesn't really exist, or that person's not really a person. No, no Christian says homosexuals are not people. We all do. Every Christian I've met, even the most... Um, edgy and maybe sometimes hateful Christians, well, they'll even say they they agree hum, uh, homosexuals are humans. They're people. They deserve dignity, respect, love. But they're still engaging in sinful acts, and they need the gospel. That's not unloving. That is a a message of truth and grace. I know the truth might hurt, but it's still gracious because it comes from God and it's a message of warning. It's a message of, hey, watch out. Look at what you're doing and what you're committing. 
you're committing these sinful acts against a holy God. He has sent his son Jesus to die for sinners. Now put your faith in that Savior, in that God-man, Jesus Christ. Trust in him and know that he is resurrected from the dead so that he's defeated death. He's defeated your sin and you can now walk in holiness. I remember a um, episode of uh, the Dr. Drew show. It's on CNN. All right, it was. I don't think it's going on anymore. James White was on that show, and I remember watching it uh, a long time, uh, several years ago. And and the panel was going after him. I mean, he was he was talking about transgenderism and why it's not compatible with biblical Christianity and all that. And you know. The conversation kind of went south, um, which is understandable. I mean, you, it's hard to have these conversations in public forums like that. Things get heated and all that. But after the show, um, James White wasn't in the sh- the after show. He left, but they recorded it and posted it. Um, basically, they were talking about how it's unloving and not gracious to respect people's choices like that um, and their identities, quote-unquote, and James White, he, he has a show called The Dividing Line, and he, he said, how is it unloving to, to say transgenderism is a sin? Isn't it more unloving to declare what Jesus paid for, the sins that he died for? He, he went to the cross and sacrificed his body. Is it, isn't that more unloving? You're... you're Calling these things good. The Bible says never to call something that is evil good. Never. You're calling transgenderism good. It's a good thing. We should celebrate people that identify in this way. It's unloving to question them. No, it's actually unloving to affirm them. Because you're letting them jump off a cliff. Essentially, you have an opportunity to warn them, to help save them. Obviously, God's the one that saves, but you're you're you have an opportunity to be used by God to to help someone. But you refuse. You you you're pushing them off the cliff. To me, that's more loving, unloving. And uh, I thought James White's response was great. Um, I recommend him, by the way, if you ever get a chance, listen to James White. He has some good stuff, especially if you're interested in apologetics and. There's a lot of good conversations with Muslims, Mormons, stuff like that. So, so how do we engage? For and this is for Christians more or less. How do Christians engage in these conversations with with others? Um, I would say first off, we we have to to start um, with grace and love. We we have to let them know we love them. We have to let them know that this is not out of a a prideful stance. We're not saying, oh, I have it all together. I am good. I am where I'm supposed to be, but you're not. Like, that's not what this is about. It's not to show where I'm at. It's to, to help others see the truth of the gospel. That's the goal. We're pointing them to Christ. We're not trying to, our goal is not necessarily just to fix their their sinful state in that sense. Our goal is not to say, hey, don't be a homosexual anymore. Just be straight or identify with your biological sex. I mean, if they do that, but there's, they still don't know Christ, they're still going to hell. It doesn't fix that part, the, the more serious and vital part of their, their themselves. 
So we have to start with grace and love and truth. Remember that the goal is to point them to Christ, point them to the gospel. And then, as we're engaging these discussions, come with biblical arguments about these passages. They're going to ask questions. They're going to point out these different arguments that I've talked about. When I've, when I've talked about the Old Testament, they're going to say, well, what about shellfish? Well, glad you asked. I mean, these passages are grouped in together for a reason. Uh, this is God's moral law, sexual code. Jesus affirms this in Matthew chapter 15, I believe it is. Uh, Paul also describes these acts as sinful. Um, he doesn't say that only the um, only certain forms of these acts are wrong. I mean, he says they, they are wrong, like just sinfully, they're, they're all sinful in themselves. And Paul obviously repeats this in, in other passages other than just Romans, but there's 1 Corinthians, there's 1 Timothy. You can go and, and, and t- open up the Bible and have an honest and helpful conversation, but at the end of the day, they, they have to... They have to be presented with the gospel at some point. You have to do that at, at, at some point. And I think if we ignore that, we're ignoring the most vital part of this entire conversation. Now, that's kind of how, you know, that's kind of an overview of how I would engage in a discussion with this. But how do we engage the culture with this at large as Christians? This is a, a much tougher topic. Um, I don't have all the answers for that yet. Um, I'm still working through that myself. Like, what's the best way to engage the culture at large? Because I, th- I do think that it's important to, as Christians, if we care about the culture, um, to a certain degree, we need to be able to engage the culture in a biblical, loving, truthful way. Um, but we don't need to be wrapped up in these conversations exclusively. But when we are challenged in our worldview, we do need to be able to answer give an answer as i think first peter talks about um we need to be able to defend the faith essentially we need to be able to defend what we believe as christians it means we need to know what we're talking about to an extent we don't have to know every argument we don't have to be perfect we don't have to be seminary students we just need to know the bible what god says we need to know the gospel obviously and we need to be able to articulate that um i know a lot of these conversations will come up in out of as a result of it being Pride Month, but also at, as a result of the Supreme Court just passing um, um, or make, uh, passing their um, or coming out um, on their rule, uh, they um, the Supreme Court voted in favor of um, interpreting a law. Um, I think it was um, Title is it Title Seven? I believe I don't have the article up. Um, which is okay. I'm not going to go into it too much, but essentially the Supreme Court passed this ruling where it states that workplaces cannot discriminate because of sexuality or you know gender identity or whatever. I'll say this: I think the government um, shouldn't impose that on businesses. I think the businesses should be able to hire who they want to hire. Um, if they discriminate. That's um, to me. They get to hire whoever they want to based on what they want, I mean, based on their, their own standard. Now, do I agree with it necessarily? No, not really. I mean, if I'm an owner of, you know, like, a, say I'm an owner of a uh, Chick Fil A franchise, I'm not. I would hire gay people, and even transgender people too. I'd hire both. But 
the problem is, it, this is where, and I was listening to the briefing, uh, Albert Muller, his podcast, and he said the same thing. I, I agree. It's This is going to be, be a problem for religious freedom because schools, you know, for example, Catholic schools or just private Christian schools are going to say, we want our teachers to abide by this code, this biblical code that says, you know, homosexuality is a sin, uh, adultery is a sin, etc., I know some schools already have come under fire for this, and I would say that that's that's where this might lead to. I don't know necessarily. People will tell me, you know, don't worry about that. It's not going to, but it continues to get further and further that direction. So I have some serious concerns. I'm not in favor of what the Supreme Court ruled because also the original Title VII, the wording of it, it does not say, it does not include gender identity or sexuality or anything like that. That was not in the minds of the original authors. And so, to me, like, nope, go ahead and create your own, create a a new law for it if you really want to, but they're just, they don't want to be able to pass it. They're scared they can't pass it right now uh, through Congress and through the Senate, uh, or through the House and the Senate. They're they're, they're not going to be able to do that. And I would say, that's the way we have to do things. You know, if we want to pass new laws in the country, we have to do that. We have to do these, do it this way. But what's happened is the culture has put so much pressure on the Supreme Court to basically pass these laws by reinterpreting the Constitution and reinterpreting uh, certain aspects of law. I'm not an expert on all these things. I'm just I'm stating what I believe about this. But... You know, this is getting us become a scary time in our culture. And Christians, we have to be bold. We have to stand up for the Christian faith and and interact on these issues in a faithful and godly, truthful, gracious way. All these ways, we have to do it. We cannot ignore it. So my encouragement to you, Christian, do not be discouraged. Do not let the world cause you to be fearful of them. Turn to God. Only fear God. Do not fear man. And engage in these discussions. And yes, like you might not be able to answer every concern or every argument, but you can research and study and then come back to them. Now, if they don't, they refuse to have these conversations with you. That's one thing. You can't do anything about that. But we, as Christians, have to do our due diligence and face the culture and do what we can to to promote the gospel in a godly way. So I know this has been kind of a well, it hasn't been really that long. Fifty-one minutes, not too bad. Um, I just wanted to to talk about this and, and talk about why I do not celebrate Pride Month. I believe the I believe people should not be celebrated by their sexuality. I think the culture is more and more. Um, I think just it's it's sad. I, when I think about it, it almost brings tears to my eyes. Like the culture is continuing to support and to basically put out there that this is okay. These forms of sex, these these sexual lifestyles, or whatever it is, are okay. I mean, we're looking at even pedophilia becoming not necessarily okay, but more, people are becoming more affirming of those kind of things. Polygamy, same thing. That's even quicker. It's coming. 
we're seeing the culture continue to degrade more and more. And the more that this happens, the more Christians will will have pressure put on them. And one day, maybe, we will actually experience real persecution. And the church must be unified on these issues. And if someone disagrees on these fundamental issues, I think that... I have a hard time saying it's heresy to believe that homosexuality is not a sin or whatever transgenderism is okay. I have a hard time saying that because I, my definition of heresy is anything that contradicts the, the ancient creeds. But the thing is, is homosexuality is not mentioned in the creeds. And the reason why is because I don't think they really had to address it. It was kind of assumed. And so we don't, we don't see the – and here's the thing. These creeds are not inerrant. Okay, I do not believe they are. I believe they're wonderful guardrails. They're they're very good guardrails that help guide us in our faith. But they don't they don't talk about everything. And so, um, what do I call it? I usually just say it, this is not necessarily a something that will put you out of the faith, but it it's a good indication that you're probably not a Christian. Um, just based on that, and there's going to be a host of other issues uh, with your theology. Usually, people that uh, Christians, quote unquote, that say you know, they claim Christianity, but they they say homosexual, homosexuality is okay. They'll also have a completely different view of um, the atonement of the nature of Christ, uh, the Trinity. Even um, a lot of these issues are not separate they're they're very much intertwined so when when someone asks me that i have a hard time answering that straightforwardly but the long answer is you know what i just said but the short answer would be i just i don't know i that's not that's not a issue of orthodoxy per se but it it's very close to it so maybe just call it heterodoxy i don't know but anyway so that's going to wrap it up um, thank you for coming and listening and doing what you've um, done to support me. If you've reviewed or given a five star or whatever, or two, one star, or whatever. Thank you for, for tuning in to listen. Um, I pray that the Lord blesses you and that you have a great week. God bless.